So today's stop is Dalit. We pick up at the bottom of the on the deck. Um, and we are discussing this issue of this Brighta that talks about the status of the egg. And um, one of the things that the Brighta said was that if there's, a su- if there's a doubt, it's forbidden. So the Gemara says this is a real challenge according to those that they understand that the problem of the egg is a rabbinic problem about like fruit from a tree or liquids that flow where you could add mukta and um, and um, the Gemara uh, says well maybe we're talking in the, in the end of it about a case of a trefa issue um, but then we have a problem about the other halacha in the Mishnah that says that if it's mixed up with a thousand they're all forbidden so is it the problem of Yantiv related, then you understand it's a principle of Dabashashla Matirim. Don't eat it now, wait till tomorrow. But if it's a problem of Trefa, why would it be that it would be forbidden? So the Gemara says, well, maybe the idea is, is that the egg is a significant object. It's like it, it's, you know, it, you know it, it has some independent identity and therefore does not become part of a conglomerate. And that's, that's the question of, of, of Dabashashla Minion, something that would normally be counted. Gemara says that only works if your category is kosher things that are that are sometimes done by counting, and other times in other means, volume or weight or or a basket of eggs. But if you say that the only thing that is not batel is eight things that are only sort of sold by number, then an egg should be batel. So we're back to our question: Why is the egg not batel if we're dealing with a case of a trefa? Again, if it's a Yantiv case, then wait till tomorrow, we understand why it's not Patel. But if it's a Trefa, why is the egg not Patel if it gets mixed up? So we pick up with that, and the Gemara says the following. Um, so, uh, four, five lines from the bottom, last two words on the line. I'm Rav Papa, line beginning with the word Papa. So it says Rav Papa. Hi, Tana, Tana, Delitrix, Tiosu. The author of this Brighta that says that the egg is not Patel is the, um, off, is the same author of the of the Brita of the um, of the litra, like a leader of tzios, which are um, cakes of uh, of figs or dates. I always get them mixed up. Um, of of figs. So what is that uh, of the Mishnah? So what is that? What's Mishnah Brita? There's a question here because it is a Mishnah, but it's an expanded in, in the Brita. The Amar. Anyway, we will see that this uh, Mishnah Brita says. We're still going to stick to our guns and say the reason the egg is not batel is because it is something that is counted. Now, but you pointed out to me that it's possible that Rabbi Meir, who focuses on things that are counted, would only talk about things that are only counted, and the egg is not only counted. Not a problem. I'm going to show you an author of Atana that holds that even things that are sometimes counted are not batel. Not only that, even if the thing is only a rabbinic problem, as long as it's sometimes counted, it is not batel. What is that? Let's take a look. The coach came to their eyes, and certainly in a biblical problem, like we're trying to say the case of the egg is a trace of issue. Not, we're talking about Mishnah. I said it's also a Brighton, because the Brighton is the expanded version, and we have the expanded version here. With the Ketziah, if you have a leader, a container, a barrel of these pressed figs, and basically they would press figs into cakes, and they would turn it into like a huge big, like, you know, it would basically be like you'd have these rounds. I think that's how they used to make cheese, right? Anyway, you know, basically if you have your barrel, right, anybody ever see you can have like these rounds, you'd have these like rounds of, you know, you know, you'd have these like, you press these things into the barrel, these, these rounds of things. This would be a round of all these pressed things together, right? And you'd have them all sort of stacked in a barrel and then you'd chop off sections and you would sell them. 
So you have this lithosphere, you have these, uh, this barrel full of these pressed figs. Shadarsa alpi, I'm sorry, you have this quantity, this is a quantity, a quantity of these pressed figs. Shadarsa alpi ego, that you pressed it in this ego, the ego is the barrel. Okay? So here was your litrachtiot, your, okay? now that I'm standing I'm going to wind up using the board more, which is I guess a good thing. Here is your sort of your round of pressed figs, and you press them, or your quantity of pressed figs, your leader, and you press them into the barrel. Now, what's the issue? The, the problem is that these, that these figs are um, truma. Um, and you press them in the barrel, and you don't want to have to keep everything of truma. So let's take a look. Um, so, you don't know in which barrel you press them. Um, I'm sorry. I, I, I almost That's one case. That you press them in a igul in a in a in a sort of in a, in a container, and you don't know which container. Or in a barrel, You don't know which barrel you press them in. A pikiveret, which is another type of barrel, little means a beehive, but it was a type of a cylindrical container. Then you have a kiveret or stuff. Okay, so it's all three scenarios, but it's the same point. You have a quantity, a litra, and again, the fact that we're using this idea of a liter or whatever, a quantity is significant because it shows that these are not things that are sold by counting. These are things that could be sold by volume, by weight, etc. Okay, so that's going to be important because not that they're often not sold by counting. And you put, you press this quantity of figs into a barrel. And you have dozens of barrels and you forgot which one. And guess what? That quantity of figs, those figs are all truma. Now, you, the basic halacha is that truma, you need a hundred to cause zero by truma. Okay? So a hundred times as much. So basically imagine that I've got, right, a lot of barrels here. All of them have pressed figs. Okay, this, the quantity in this one is one, one liter. Okay, one liter is the, is the quantity of the truma that I press. How much would you need to say, and I don't know which one it's in, that there is bito? So, you could say, well, count up all the quantity of figs here, all the quantity of figs in all the barrels, and if there's a hundred liters, it's fucked up, right? But that's really not fair. Why is that not fair? Because you know that your figs are at the top of one of the barrels. Right? You don't, it's not like they're somewhere in here. You did al peak al peak right? Al ago. You did it at the top. So logically what you would need is the only tarovet, the only things that are in the doubt are the tops of all these barrels. So what you would need logically is a hundred barrels. Okay? So let's see what the mission says you need in order to create this. Okay? Um, so yeah. Well, what Oh, a hundred times the vo- meaning the volume of a hundred tops. Yeah, yeah. Just take right. Top. So that's an interesting possibility. The thing is, can you do that? Are you looking at the top as like an independent unit? Like if you have one apple that's Orla mixed up in like other apples that are Orla. So you look at how much, uh, you know, what's the total volume of those apples or do you have how many apples you have? It could be that when you're not dealing with something like a stew and a soup that gets all equally distributed, but you're dealing with independent units, you need X, you need 60 times the units or 100 times units, you know, because because in the end the question is which of these units? It's not like a a, a total issue of volume and, and a volume. Is that not making sense? 
Well, okay, no, the if you drop a drop into soup, then right. the question is it disperses equally, and then it's a question of proportional volume. Is there enough for it to lead to a certain degree of dispersion? If it's an issue of independent units, and we say you need 60 other units, um, or 100 other, you, uh, right. you know, 60 other, 100 other, 60 other, 100 other units, not volume. Yeah, but we said here we're not uh, looking at this as units. So, no, you might be looking at the top of the units. We're looking at it as, um, as volume. Well, no, yes, we did describe that this is a volume, right. but now that we're trying, there is a volume here, but now that we're trying to deal with, with ditto, then we don't know if this, 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 this top of this barrel, the top of this, the top of this, and that's really a question of which unit is it, right? So let's take a look what it says. Um, okay, Rebbe Meir Omer, Rebbe Meir says that this is a debate of Rebbe Eliezer and Rebbe Yoshua. And here's his version of the debate. Rebbe Meir Omer, Rebbe Eliezer Omer. So Rebbe Meir says that Rebbe Eliezer says the following. Rowing as hell, you'll know, kiuhin prudot. You see the tops of the barrels as if they're su- separate. The bottoms of the barrels can ma'alot, meaning create ditto with the top. Which means, you don't look at it as this, as each top is the thing that you're going down of. You look at it as if, you don't treat the top, you know, as if you know distinctly where it is. Uh, it's, it's separate, it's mixed in with everything else. And therefore, you can look at a hundred, which includes the bottoms of the barrels. And a hundred times, you know, the, the, maybe it is the, the volume and the, and the quantity and so on. Okay, so he says, technically you're right. Your only question is the top of the barrel, but I'm going to go easy on you. Now, part of the reason we can go easy on you is very often you have these things, particularly by Truma Durabana, by Truma, which is like rabbinic Truma, rabbinic Truma because it's free. Biblical Truma only applies by Yayin Tiroshi Yitar, which is uh, wine, oil, and... Um, and uh, whatever, uh, wine or oil and, and, um, and grain, okay, so, but the truma of fruits is only uh, rabbinic, and sometimes we find that the rabbis were lenient about the truma of fruits, for example, I'll give you a more radical case, which is, I don't know if it's more radical, but you have two boxes of, of truma, and um, one box of truma and one box of chulin, and below you have two big vats, one of truma and one of chulin, and one box you know, box one fell into vat A and box two fell into vat B. And you don't know, did the truma fall into the truma or the truma fall into the chula? And one says, well, you can assume the truma fell into the truma. <laughs> what can I assume that? <laughs> right? So again, it, because that case was a case of rabbinic truma, they went easy on you. So it's an interesting idea. They're not just saying you don't need to satisfy the requirements. Yes, you need to satisfy the requirements, but sometimes we'll go easy in interpreting what it means to satisfy the requirements. You understand the difference? Like, mm-hmm. that, forget about this. But you need this. But here we'll consider the hundred to be not a hundred tops of the barrels, but it includes the bottoms of the barrels as well. Okay, that's what Rebbe Meir says. Rowinus el Yonoki would include You see the tops of the barrels like they're distinct, but distinct here actually means distinct and mixed in. You can use the bottoms to raise up, to cause bittle, and you consider the entire, you know, it's, it's mixed in with all of the quantity of all of the barrels, not just the tops. Rabbi Yeshua, oh man, Rabbi Yeshua says the more straightforward thing, if there are a hundred mouths of barrels, then it's batel, because the question is about the tops of the barrels, and if not, the tops of the barrels, all the barrels are forbidden, because you don't know which one is truma, and the bottom is mutarim from So Rabbi Yeshua says the straight approach, Rabbi Eliezer is more lenient, allows a creative interpretation of where the subject <coughs> is, to create bittel. That's Rabbi Meir's version of the debate. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says, 
Now, here's the here's the debate. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Rabbi Eliezer says, "In Yesha me'apumim ya'alu v'imlaf apumim asurim v'ashuvayim mutarim." That Rabbi Eliezer does not start with his creative leniency. Rabbi Eliezer starts more strict. He says that you go by a hundred tops of barrels. If there are a hundred other barrels, then it's batel. If not, not because you can only look at the top of the barrels. And Rabbi Yoshua, not oh, it, it, so. See, you see, Rabbi Eliezer, everybody's one level more stringent than the previous version. So Rabbi Eliezer already starts more stringent the, and says you go by the tops of the barrels. So how will Rabbi Yoshua be more stringent? Uh, I mean, the tops of the barrels should certainly be enough. So Rabbi Yoshua, I know a few yesham shlosh Even if there are three hundred uh, barrels there, lo ya'alu, it will not be batel. Okay, now, and that, now let's read the end and then go back and unpack that, but that's obviously a very radical statement. So the Gemara says, Darsa be'igul ve'inu yodea be'eze igul darsa. Now, if it is in the, if, it, if you press it in the top, in the top of a barrel and igul is a type of container and you don't know which one, diverkol yalu, then everybody would agree it's pato. Huh? It says, Diverkol, I need to excite Everybody would agree it's pato. It's exactly the same way we've been debating, that it's at the top of the barrel and you don't know which barrel it's in. I said, no, Amar Papa Hachatama. This is what the end of that right means. Darsa the igul the eni yodeh be eze makam igul darsa. You press it in a barrel, but you don't know where it is in the barrel. Even tzvoni the droma the north the top of the barrel the bottom the middle of the barrel. Then divercho yalu. That's easy because then it's not just the question is which top of the barrel is truma. It's where is the truma in all of these figs, right? Because you don't know top, middle, which barrel. So then everybody says pizza works, but if it's at the top then there is this debate. Now, the question is, the issue is, here you have, according to Rabbi Yehuda, you have Rabbi Yoshua saying, it's not batel. And remember, this is even rabbinic. This is the truma of figs. It's not grain. It's not wine. It's not oil. This is rabbinic. So, and even so, he says it's not batel. Why is it not batel? It's not batel because, here he is of the opinion, anything that is counted, even sometimes counted, is never batel, even if it's only a rabbinic problem. So he says these circles, you sometimes sell them by weight. You sell, sometimes sell them by, by volume, a whole barrel full of them. But sometimes you sell them by unit. I'm going to sell you one circle, one round of pressed figs. So since it is sometimes sold by unit, he says it's not a test. So again, this is a long answer to the question, why is the egg mixed up with other eggs not a test? If it's the simple reason that it's a youngest problem, so fine, wait till tomorrow. But in order to get out of this question of, you know, oh, that if it, you know, it might be it's another issue, and how then will we explain, it, you know, you know, why it's not Patel, so then the Gemara has to say that it's, I'm sorry, there was another, because in order to address the other issue about the issue of Safate, right, there were two things that remind us. You know, there are two things that were in the So here's the Gemara's problem. Why is Safek Asurot? So if it's, if it's rabbinic, you should say a Safek rabbinic is lenient. Mm-hmm. So it says, okay, this is talking about a special case of Trefa. But, if it's a trace, but what, how do you explain this line? That even in the mixture, they're all also. If it was the rabbinic problem of Yantar, we understand. This is the idea of Dabrash Yishlamatirim. But if it's, you created this case of trace, why should it not be Batel? And that's why we introduced all of this to say, because there's an opinion out there that anything that is sometimes counted, like this fig and like an egg, even if it's not always counted, will never be Batel, even if it's only a rabbinic problem. 
Okay? So we've managed to successfully say that this line is talking about trefa, and the reason it's not batel is because eggs are sometimes counted. But it's a very dachuk read of that brighta to introduce trefa and then introduce this idea that even something like <coughs> egg, which is often sold in other ways, because it's sometimes sold in units, is not counted. I understand yeah. that <laughs> Conceptually, davar shibaminyan. Why should much of bitul not apply? Yeah, because it's like it's like a word I have about uh, when you talk about why we don't count people, right? And uh, <laughs> the beginning of you know of kitisa. Right. So it's because you know people should never be things that can just be amalgamated. Every person, right, is unique. So you don't just say, right. you don't just say, oh, I've got a group of ten people here. You know, no, you know, you know, I've got Joe and I've got Michael and I've got Charlie and I've got Joe. You can't just say, oh, you know, it's ten generic people and they all combine together to be a group, right? So if that, the, if that's the same idea of Dover Shabinian, right? You know, you, you, you know, each, if, if these things are only sold by number, then that means that each one is independently significant. This works by saying it's all part, it's of, a a, it's all part of a conglomerate of an amalgamated group and it loses its identity. Individual gets but some things refuse yeah. to become part of a group. You know, everything is an individualist. You can hear that, right? So it's double every single egg is an individualist and refuses, refuses to be part of a group. And since, and since it refuses to be part of a group, there's no way we can consider the idea of this. It's fine. Okay, so let's continue. Alright? So that's one explanation. One explanation is that the reason suffix is a problem, even though it's only rabbinic, is it's trefa. How do you explain this? It's a yuntav issue and it's a rabbinic issue. It's weight, but it's a trefa. How do you explain this? And the idea centrally is summer shebaminion. Now let's see as the Gemara continues. Amar Papa. Hafi Kamar. I'm sorry, just do that. Ravashi Amar, Ravashi says, Le'olam suffix yuntav suffix chol. Le'olam suffix yuntav suffix chol. Okay, yes. We're going to go back. The issue is not an issue of a trefa. The issue is this thing is a mukta problem. It's a problem of you know the the juices that run off, or the juices that run off, or the, or the fruit that fall off. It's all a rabbinic problem. It's all a rabbinic problem. Great. We understand why it's not bought out because of wait till tomorrow. So then we have to go back to this issue of safek. If it's a doubt whether it was born on yantiv or on chol, then it's a rabbinic safek, and we should be lenient. So why that? So if we're going to read the brayta simply, like, like you know, without introducing <coughs> the idea of trefa, and that it's a question of a, of the rabbinic issue of using it on yantiv, why should a suffix be a problem? So let's see what he says. But here's why it's going to be forbidden. The same reason you can accept that the egg on Yantav is not fatal because the idea is wait till tomorrow and anything that's dominion lobatel, that's the same reason why you should say that a suffix, a doubt, should be forbidden. Although we normally say a doubt in a Durabana <coughs> is permissible, here it's a doubt in a Durabanan, but the point is the same, wait till tomorrow. Okay, if the mm-hmm. principle behind the reason the egg is not batel when it gets mixed up is because you might as well just wait till tomorrow, we're not going to let this work. Well, that answers your question of why a suffix is also forbidden. It's true, it's only a rabbinic problem, but why use this rule of suffix rabban lakula if you can just wait until tomorrow? Okay, now that is a big chiddush because normally the the idea of davar sheishul was only said by this idea of a mixture. 
right? It's not said by this general issue of, da- of being lenient in the case of doubts by Jarabanan. We, you know, that, that is not at all the standard usage of it. And imagine the halakhic implications of that idea, right? So you could even abstract it further, and some people do this. So even when they're dealing with the Shiloh, which is on a Durabanan matter, and there's reason to be lenient, they'll say, yeah, but you know what, better play it safe. Better just be strict anyway. Right? Which is what this is sort of saying. Better just wait till tomorrow. Don't rely on this idea that a suffix of a Durabanan. So if you abstract it more, right, it could be used. But even if you don't abstract it more, it has profound implications. So for example, the whole issue that came out throughout the Middle Ages of eating chadash, of eating grain that you don't know, whether it was before um, the Omer or after, right, before the second day of or after, so one of the whole arguments was, well, you can allow it, and this is the, what became the primary argument, that even if you say it's a Dioraisa, we can allow it because of a double doubt, a sex sake. But what's the double doubt? Maybe it grew this year, maybe it grew last year, because they had a lot of old grain in store. Even if it was this year's grain, maybe it was grain that took root before the Omer. So, which is funny, because it's all boils down to one question. Is it Yashan or is it Chadan? Mm-hmm. But they constructed it as a double doubt. And then the wow. question is, but one minute. Guess what Chadash is? Chadash is it will become permissible after the second day So, if you say is not only a rule by Bittal, but is even a rule in the principles of being lenient in the cases of doubt, so, who cares about your sex seika? It's a Dovashish material. Wait until next year. So, maybe there's a difference between a sex seika and a suffix to Rabbanan, but <coughs> this idea is a very nice read of the Brighta. It's all talking about the egg. It's all talking about Yantel. It's not Fatal because wait till tomorrow. Your whole question was, okay, but it's forbidden to be lenient in the case of a suffix. And the answer is, since you can wait until tomorrow, yesh lamatirim, then we can't even apply the principle of a suffix to Rabbanan Lakula. Which, as I said, has really profound implications saying that even this idea, you say, just wait until tomorrow, wait until it becomes permissible. Yes? A child, a baby boy who is born either late Friday afternoon or early right. Friday night, right. and we aren't sure, we do the Brit, we wait till Sunday for yeah. the Brit. Correct. So this is another... That, that's just the principle of stuff like right to the Chumrah. You don't want to violate Shabbat, potentially. Okay, so that's his read of the Brighton, which is a much easier read, but with pretty significant implications. Now we're going to go on to another Brighton about the egg, and this is a Tosefta. Tanya, we've done the Brighton. Acherim Omrim, others say, meaning Rebbe Meir, Mishum Rebbe Eliezer, so here again is a tradition Rebbe Meir had in the name of Rebbe Eliezer. Beitza Teachel, he, the Imam, the egg can be eaten. He, or, um, or Tochal, you should eat it. Anyway, he and its mother. So go ahead. Eat the egg, eat the hen, not a problem. All right. So the question is, the Mayaskinam. What type of scenario are we talking about? Ilima betarnagolus omenus laachila. If it's a hen that's set aside for eating, right? That's been our question all along. So then, basically, what he's saying is, the hen isn't muksa because it's set aside for eating. It's yet to remember. And the egg, he's saying like beishamai. It's also not a problem. Whatever problem you come up with, tree, fruit that drop off from a tree, that's not an issue. Go ahead, eat the egg, eat the mother. So the Gemara says. If that's true, pshita, the hivi masharya. That is obvious. It's not obvious the egg is permissible, but as Rashi says, it's obvious the mother is permissible. Why do you have to tell me the mother is permissible? Nobody ever debates the mother if it's a hen sitting around to be to turn into food. So the Gemara says, So let's say it's talking about a hen that's around to lay eggs. So again, we can understand why you would say the egg is permissible if you don't hold of muktzah. 
But why should the mother be permissible? I mean, that's a, you know, that is a, it's a, he asura, it and the mother should be forbidden. Excuse me, I, I said that wrong, because the egg, it, the, egg, the egg and the mother are both the Muslim problem. But the point is, is that we are now working with the assumption that nobody is arguing on the Muqtza point, that the whole debate of Beitulah Beishamai is about a hen that is standing around to be, eat, to be eaten. So if it is a hen that is standing around for laying eggs, <coughs> how could Rabbi Eliezer say it's impermissible? It shouldn't be permissible at all. It's Muqtza. So Amar Rebzeiras, Rebzeiras said, Tocho Agav Ima. You can eat it through its mother, on the basis of its mother. What does it mean on the basis of its mother? Hechi Dami, what's the case? Amar now, of course, you know, this is the case that I was waiting for somebody to ask me. Until now, the whole question has been, is it set aside for laying eggs, or is it set aside for eating? But you don't know. You have a lot of hens around. They lay eggs, which you're very happy with. Some of them you're going to want to chef. Others of them you're going to want to keep on laying eggs. You just bought it. You haven't made up your mind. Okay? So, what would be the halacha there? So, he is saying, and again, to remind you, if the egg was set aside for eating, it's not muksa. If the egg, if the hen was set aside for eating, it's not muksa. The egg is not muksa. The only possible issue with the egg is some external question, like fruit from a tree. Um, and if the hen is set aside for making eggs, it's muksa, and the egg is muksa. So, here the scenario is, you bought it without yet identifying what its use would be. You purchased it, and you haven't made up your mind yet. So, nishchita, if, if you decide on Yantas, hey, I'm going to check this. Then, then that retroactively shows that this was a hen that was uh, going to be eaten. So, and therefore, not only can you eat the mother, you can eat the egg. If you went through Yantas not shechting it, but now you want to know what can I do with the egg, so, you know, well, what can I do with the egg? That my, Rabbi, what can I do with this egg that my hen laid on Yantas? Well, you know, why about asking about the egg? Just shech the chicken and you'll have chicken <coughs> for Yantas. No, 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 I don't want to shech the chicken. Why do you want to check the chicken? It could be. Well, you know, I don't want to, even if, even if I want to eat it, I don't want to eat it now. But we're going to say, if you are, if you are choosing not to check the chicken, that will interpret it as, an, as a hen that is set aside for laying eggs. So in that case, um, that'll make it clear that it's around for laying eggs. So this is interesting because of this extra word um, that the, it and its mother, why to mention the mother, that leads the Gemara to finally address the case of what the case of Stam, when you haven't identified what the purpose of the hen is. Okay? And there the Gemara will says that you can use this question of whether you wind up eating the mother to retroactively identify what the purpose of the hen was and therefore what the status of the egg of the egg was. So that's the example of Ray Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. It's also an interesting question about muksa, right? What do you do if something is essentially suffix muksa? Like if you're not sure whether you wanted it to be off limits. Right? You might not even need Braira. Maybe just a suffix muksa should be mutsa because it's not clearly off limits. But anyway, so the Gemara deals with it based on what's going to happen to the mother. Yes. Uh, this gets to the question I asked before. Um, <coughs> some breeds of chickens are bred for laying eggs and some right. for yeah, I assume that if it's really an issue of a breed, then that would have the more dominant impact, the halacha. Okay. All right, so, the mother, so that's one answer. What it means is you don't know what the status of the mother is. You can decide on Yuntav, and that will then decide the status of the mother. Rav Mari Amar, Rav Mari says, Rav Mari Amar, Guzmaktani. Nah, we're just exaggerating. Now, Guzma is not a word in English. It means, I mean, it, we normally would translate it as an exaggeration. We all know what an exaggeration is, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, like you know, there were a f- nobody ever saw Simcha's face in its life. You know, mm-hmm. there were, f- you know, 
400 things, you know, gallons of oil, etc. Now, the Gemara actually treats that as literal, but okay. We know what an exaggeration is. But the Gemara here is using Guzma not as an exaggeration, but as almost like, you know, saying extra things to drive home your point and for emphasis. And the basic point is, you're right, there's only a Chiddush about the egg, not about the mother. If I want to tell you how mutter the egg is, and we tell you, the egg, go ahead, eat the egg, eat the mother. So I'm not really, obviously everybody agrees you can eat the mother if the mother's set aside for eating, but I'm just doing it to strengthen my point, and that's guzma. Like to just talk a lot and to show how, you know, as a way of underscoring it. So that's guzma katani, and this is clearly the easier read of this brighter. Katani, we turn the brighter. Other This is exactly the quote we had before. Base of teachel, eat the egg or tochal. You should eat it. Can't be eaten. He, it, the ima, its mother, the esroa, and if it has a chip, eat the chip. The kliposa will go ahead eat the eat, eat the shell. Doesn't they eat everything? Okay. Now the only chiddush there, well, uh, maybe how do you eat shells? But the only chiddush there is about the egg. But we say all that stuff to just understand. You're not going to forget after today's shear that this image of go ahead, eat the egg, eat the mother, eat the stick. So that underscores the point. Okay, it's not a logical argument, but it underscores, it emphasizes the point. So the mind says, now look, maybe you'll want to say, no, 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 we're being very literal. If you're being literal, what does the word shell mean? Eat the shell. My klipasa, why are you saying eat the shell? Ile maklipa mamash, if literally it means eat the shell. Does anybody eat a shell? If something can be eaten? Ella So what you're going to say is it doesn't mean the chick and the shell. It means eat the whole chick within its shell, which is not a bad argument. Yeah, you've laid an egg. Eat the egg. Eat the mother. What? There's a live chick in the egg. Eat the eat the chick with the shell. You know, go ahead eat everything. Okay, but if that's true, he says then that's not the halacha. Why is it not the halacha? So there's a debate we're going to see very soon between the rabbis and the Rebbe and Yaakov about a chick before it's opened its eyes. Mm-hmm. Is that yet a considered an independent identity? Or is that Aver Minachai? It's a piece of meat that fell off of the mother. Like the egg is a tree that fell off the tree mother. This is a feet, and therefore it's a limb from a, from a living animal. Mm-hmm. And you can't open it. When does it become, get its own identity? In the yeshiva dot the last two days, we've been learning beginning of life issues, but then that's the abortion question, right? When does the fetus get its own identity? What degree is it part of the mother? And so on, one way of framing the question. So here, there's a debate. Is it mutter after the, chick has, after the egg has cracked before the chick opens its eyes? And when does it become considered its own thing and not part of the mother? So the Gemara says like this: Adkano pligi rabbanu malei rabbeliyazu ben Yaakov. Until now, the rabbis didn't argue on rabbeliyazu ben Yaakov. And heichad the yatsala of Yerolam. Once the egg has cracked and the chick has come into the world, um, but just not opened its eyes. That's a debate yet. Aval heichad the lo yatsala of Yerolam. While it's still in the egg, lo pligi. They don't debate. Everybody says it's forbidden. Okay. Which all, so therefore. Since the, how, what does this statement mean? Eat the chicken eat the, eat, and, and eat the, eat the uh, shell. If it's literal, then nobody eats the shell. If it means eat the chick while it's in the shell, that's also Forget about Yantiv. It's also because it's still a part of the mother. Uh, because it's like, you know, it's like, uh, Eber Minachad. So what does it mean? Ella, Efroch Viklipa. So Guzma would be, we're being exaggerating. We're just, you know, being, uh, there's gotta be a better word for that, um, in English, um, in this case. Not, um, uh, but they were embellishing. You know, we're talking in an embellished way. So therefore, yeah, eat the chips, eat the, eat, eat the shell. So hokanami, eat it, eat its mother, we're just embellishing. 
Okay, so anyway, the point is, don't get worked up about the phrase. That was a way of underscoring, but what's fascinating here is, it's not just the <coughs> Here we have a position that even when the hen is set aside for eating, and therefore it's obvious you can eat the hen, because it's set aside for eating, we have a position that rejects this idea that the, of Beit Hilo, that the egg is a problem. We have a tradition not only of Beit Shammai, but of Rebbe Eliezer, who said, now Rebbe Eliezer was Beit Shammai, and now Rebbe Eliezer, if you people know that. So it's not so much of a separate tradition. But anyway, it's interesting to be quoted of Rebbe Eliezer, the same thing that the egg is forbidden, even when the mother is set aside for eating, even though obviously the mother is, I'm sorry, that's one thing forbidden, I'm, I'm not well. I'm, I woke up a little sick today. Anyway, so um, so we have this uh, tradition of Beit that the egg is permissible mm-hmm. when if the mother is set aside for eating, and that's what this bright is saying. The same way you can eat the mother, you can eat the egg, no problem. The position of Beit that the egg is permissible. Okay, now the Gemara goes on. Um, Ithmar was taught, Shabbos and Let's say you have Shabbos and Yantam back to back. Okay, for them it was a two-day yantam. We have three-day yantams. So you have Shabbos and Yantam back to back. Rav Amar, it was born on Shabbos. It's going to be, remain forbidden on Yantam. Rabbi Yoga, no, if it's born on Shabbos, by Yantam it'll be permissible. Or the reverse, it was born on Yantam. If, if the juxtaposition was, it would become permissible on Shabbos. So, what's that a debate about? So the says, here's what the debate about. So the most logical debate is, when Yontav and Shabbos come juxtaposed, do you look at it as a continuous single Kedushah, or do you look at it as two separate Kedushahs? Now, obvious way to tell is, is that we, when, when, what do we do when Yontav precedes Shabbat? I mean, follows Shabbat. What do we do at, at, when, when we're bringing in Yontav, if Yontav follows Shabbat? We may have Dalah. So, clearly indicates the idea that we don't see it as a continuous. I mean, these are the most discontinuous. It's not like two days Yantav or, or two days Rosh Hashanah. Here, Shabbos and Yantav have very different characters and halakhic statuses and so on. But the Gemara is saying maybe there is that opinion that it's all one continuous thing. So if it's born on one of the two days, it remains forbidden on both. Okay? And that would be the logic. And it's permissible because you see the two separate entities. So the Gemara says you can't say that because that would have Rav saying that it's one Kedusha. The Hamar Rav, Rav says in another context, Halalak Arba Zakanin, we rule like the four elders, Aliva de Rebbe Eliezer, and who go according to Rebbe Eliezer, the Amar who says, Shtay Kedusha saying, it's two Kedushot, so we don't worry whatever this four elders is, but the point is, Rav says it's Shtay Kedushot. So if Rav says Rosh Hashanah, uh, Shabbos and Yantiv is two Kedushot, why when it's born on one is it forbidden on the other? Right? If Shabbos, went, let's say it was born on Yantiv and now Shabbos is coming in. So now I don't ask, the same muksa question from yesterday. I asked the Shabbos question by itself. It's about to be Shabbos. What's muksa? What's not muksa? Anything that already existed in the world and I had a reasonable opportunity to use is not going to be muksa now that Shabbos is coming in. Even though it was born on Yantav, Yantav is just the day before Shabbos. And it was an egg that was in the world before Shabbos began. And if there, each day is distinct, I'll say, as Shabbos begins, this is something that's already existed that I can eat. So then what would be the logic that you can't eat it? So the Gemara says, why would Rav say you can't eat it? So Ella says Gemara The issue is again that famous hachana that Rabbah introduced, which <coughs> is you'll remember the classic case of that is Yantav and Shabbos juxtaposed. And Rabbah's idea is not just muktza did it exist, but was it something that was prepared on the weekday for the sake of Shabbos and Yantav? And this egg was only prepared, finished in the mother on Yantav, and then Shabbos came along. 
So Rav is Rav. Rav has Rav's problem, so the egg has to be finished while it's still weekday, even if there's two Kedushot. Rabbi Yochanan lays Be'yachan the Rav, and Rabbi Yochanan doesn't, does not hold of that concern, and therefore, since it was around yesterday, when Shabbos comes, that's enough, even if it wasn't finished on a, on a whole day. Kitanai. This is like the following debate of Tanayim. No the Shabbos, Tochal. Te'achel. Biyom Tov. If, Biyom Tov, you can eat on Yom Tov. Biyom Tov, Right, eat it the following day, which is Yom Tov. Yom Tov, Tochav Shabbos. It was born on Yom Tov. Eat it on Shabbos, even if it's the following day. Shouldn't they be so, eating it raw? Yeah, exactly. Rabbi Yudah Omer, they do. Rabbi Yudah Omer, No, that debate of Edo B'Shamay applies even in this case. The Bechamai says, eat it, and Bechamai says, do not eat it. So even though it was born yesterday, you can't eat it. Why would that be? If there are two Kedushot, so the Mar says, ah, this is the debate, and this exactly is the debate of Rav and, um, and Rekh Yochanan, and, you, and the, argue, the reason is not one Kedusha, the reason is this idea of Hachana Daraba, which required it to be ready from a week's day. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this, it ends with some story. Yes. Why can't you put one on Shabbos? No, on Yom No, but he's responding to the scenario where he was born on Yom Tov. If you lay it on Yom and you can eat it on Shabbos, the only opportunity after you have a Yom I thought we were talking about when it's We're talking about both scenarios. Both scenarios. So the host, the proprietor of his inn, or wherever he was staying, of the landlord of his building, he had some eggs, Yom Tov was Shabbos, they were born on Yantir, and he wanted to know if he could eat them on Shabbos. So also the Kamei Dara, also Kamei, he came to him. Amalei, he said to Rabbi Baraba, My Ratzvunu hu ha'idna v'nechunu l'machon. Not only do you want to eat it tomorrow on Shabbos, but he wants to eat raw eggs. Can I fry up some eggs, scramble up some eggs, and I'll eat them tomorrow, on today on Yantir and eat them tomorrow on Shabbos? So it's a classic question of can you prepare on Yantir for Shabbos, mm-hmm. your Shashu, and etc. That was the question he said. Can I cook them? It never occurred to him to think that the egg might be muktzah. He never read the first Mishnah of Aaron <laughs> They said, Amulay, so I said back to him, my daitcha, what is your assuming? That in terms of thinking that you can, if it's born today, you can use it tomorrow. So besides the question, am I allowed to cook today for the sake of tomorrow? But your assumption, you can use it tomorrow. Rav Rabbi Yochanan, Allah Rabbi Yochanan. First of all, we rule like Rabbi Yochanan, which, who says that, uh, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And you want me to say that this is a debate of Rav and Rabbi Yochanan, and we should rule in general like Rabbi Yochanan, and therefore, according to Rabbi Yochanan, if it's born yesterday on Yantiv, it's Mutter on Shabbos. But one minute. I feel Rabbi Yochanan, exactly as you were asking. Even when Rabbi Yochanan says it was born on Yantiv, it's permissible on Shabbos, that's to swallow it raw. With Gom Alamachar. But you can't handle it today on Yantiv. Okay, so forget about cooking. Today is muktza. Tomorrow it'll be permissible. So even at today's end of tomorrow's Shabbos, you can't say, "Can I cook with it for tomorrow?" Today it's muktza. It becomes a problem tomorrow. Okay, so that though is interesting that we do rule like Rabbi Yochanan that when it comes tomorrow, you're allowed to eat it. So now the Gemara says like this: Afilu. Um, the hot and we taught in the bright, so it's not a question, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, support. Whether it was born on Shabbos or on Yantav, and here's an explicit discussion of it as Muktza, you can't move it, this is exactly what we quoted before. Not as bile stopper, not use it for your bed, however you're supporting your bed with it. And therefore, even if it's Muktza tomorrow, today it's also. Like Beit, like Beit Hilel. 
So there, now another story. The proprietor of Rapapa's establishment, the Amulehu Gavra, and some say just some random guy, okay, the also the Kamid Rapapa, it really doesn't matter who the guy was, he came to Rapapa. He had the reverse case, an egg that was born on Shabbos, and he wanted to know, can I eat it tomorrow, which is Yantav. Again, the question of Rav and Rav Yochanan. He said to him, can I eat it tomorrow? He said to him, so he didn't give him a straight answer. He said, go, I eat, now leave me today. Come back tomorrow, I'll tell you tomorrow. Why? The Rav, one minute, no, he will come, tell him when he comes back tomorrow. When he comes back, Rav would not put an Amora. The Amora, like we use the word Tana and Amora to mean like Ravina or Rashi, you know, you know, Beit Hila, Beit Shammai. But the, I call those capital T Tana, capital A Amora. There was also like a lowercase T Tana, lowercase e Amora. So the Tana in the time of the Mishnah was the person that memorized all of the oral, say, all of, you know, all of the oral tradition and all the sayings that became the Mishnah of the Brites. The Mishnah Brites also were, were taught as a memorized book, not as a literal written book. But anyway, the Tana there was the one who was the Barilan of the day, the storehouse of all of the sayings and the knowledge. And Amora was different. And Amora, because what do Amorayim do? Amorayim just give their pieces of information. Amorayim, I mean, they give their pieces of information. Amorayim argue, they discuss. So an Amora, I mean, by parallel, is somebody that actually is not just saying over for collected knowledge, but is my basically loudspeaker. If I'm the Amora, if I'm Rebbe Mayer, then I bring Charlie here, and I, don't, I can't yell to this audience of a thousand people, but I chose Charlie because he's got a good voice, and I just say to Charlie, okay, tell them in this case, da da da, this is Allah, and then he yells it out to everyone. So he's my Amora. So that's the other use of the word Amora. Okay, so Rav would not have an Amora stand by him when, the way Rav explains it is, like the first night of Yontif. Okay, um, because basically he wouldn't give a shear, and in the middle of a shear he would often give sakalacha. He refused to do it at the night of Yontif. Why? Mishum um, shichrus, because he would be drunk. Wow. So he would drink a lot, you know, have a lot of wine at the meal. So he would not go ahead and give a shear. So this guy came to him, you know, Yontif night after he had a lot of wine, and as we're going to, you know, and uh, as we. Uh, um, you know, read in the Torah that read recently, you know, the role of the Kohanim is also that to paskin, and you can't paskin when you're drunk, and therefore, and he knew that if he gave a shear on any topic, he wanted in throwing up some sak halacha, couldn't help himself, so therefore, Rav would not give a shear, and he certainly wouldn't ask her, answer halacha shilas. So he told him to come back tomorrow. He also, guess what, he actually did come back tomorrow. Amalai, he said to him, here's the halacha. So remember, it was Yantiv, the egg was laid on Yantiv, and he wants to know, can I use it on Shabbos? And you know what? It's good um, that you, I didn't pass them for you yesterday. The first thing you said is, have I had, had I, like, had it been otherwise, had I give, answered you yesterday, I would have made an error. So, what would I have told you? I would have said, Rav Rabbi Yochanan, Allah Rabbi Yochanan, we rule like Rabbi Yochanan. If it's born on Shabbos, you can't, if it's born on Yantav, you can use it on Shabbos. That would have been the first thing that popped into my head. If you asked me yesterday when I wasn't thinking straight, I would tell you, fine, it's permissible. But I'm not going to tell you that anymore. Aren't you glad we waited? Hama Rava, Rava says, We were like Rav in these three things. We don't have to worry about the three things are, but one of them is our case of Shabbos and Yantav with the end. Whether Rav is being more lenient or being more strict, in three areas we rule like him when the debate of Rav and Yogan and one of them is the end. So here you actually have not only a debate of Rav and Yogan, it's a debate of Tanayim and it's a debate of the Amorayim who to Paskin like. 
<laughs> okay? So let's just take a moment, what are the things we've introduced so far, because it's been, um, it's been sort of a lot of ideas. One idea is that the idea of Zavashesh um, Lamakirin not only applies to Tarogas, it even applies to the use of doubt and Safet Zorabana, that was fascinating. Back to the egg, what did we learn? We had a tradition of Rabbi Eliezer who said, like Beit Shammai, Rabbi Eliezer is from Beit Shammai, that you can eat the egg, um, assuming again that the hen is set aside for, le- for, for eating. Um, but then he uses very flowery language or whatever, extreme language of eat the egg, eat the mother, eat the chick, etc. And now we're introducing the question if it's born on Shabbos, is it permissible on Yom or vice versa? In order to say that you have to say it's two Kedushot, which we obviously do because we make Havdalah, but even if you say it's two Kedushot, the question is, is the, the, the position of Hachana Zerava. And that's the debate of Rav and Rabbi Yochanan, whether we're worried about Hachana Zerava or not. Okay, now the Mark continues. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, now we get to another case, taking us away from the egg a little bit, but still in the land of Muktzah. Um, so let's take a look. Um, wood fell off of a tree on Shabbos. You know, a branch fell down. And again, it's a Shabbos Yantav case. So it fell down on Shabbos. Tomorrow's Yantav. Can I use the branch that fell down yesterday on Shabbos in order to put into my fire, for, for, my, for my firewood? And he says, You can't. Don't tell me, Ah, but Beitza, you're allowed to do it. So why should Shabbos be any different? <laughs> my time of Beitza, why by Beitza are you allowed to do it? Mishum, where am I? Because on Shabbos itself, uh, so if, if an egg was born on Shabbos, why could you use it the next day on Yantiv? Because on Shabbos itself, it was raw and it was possible to be used. So therefore, and the only reason it was forbidden, and the only reason you didn't use it, was because of this idea of Muktzah. So Muktzah on Shabbos, and then following is Yantav, Yantav is its own day. Um, Ava, where am I? Uh, 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 where am I? Uh, 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 because you could swallow it. Um, where am I? Okay. So, and if we're not going to permit you to eat it, we're not, we're not going to permit you to eat it until tomorrow. It was born today on Shabbos. We say eat it tomorrow. You'll never anyway eat it on Shabbat because, you know, because, excuse me. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Alright. So here's the story. The egg is born on Shabbos. So you're going to pass in like like Rabbi Yochanan. It can be eaten on the following day that it's yantav. It's not a muksa concern. The steak do shows it was ready yesterday. You can eat it on yantav. Okay, but in the exact same scenario, he's saying by a tree branch that fell down, you can't. Why? He's saying, look, here's the difference. The egg, if we when we're telling you it's asar on yantav, don't use it today. Use it tomorrow. You know that there's only one reason you're not using this egg that was laid today, which is what muksa. I know. But by the trees, if the branch that we tell you don't use it today, use it tomorrow. There's a different reason why you're not using the branch right on Shabbos, which is you can't build a fire. You can't do anything with it, right? And it's mutza. Okay, so therefore, here's going to be the issue. So let's take a look. I'm, 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 I'm. Here's Shabbos. Here's Yom Okay, the case that the egg was born here, right? So if it weren't for mutza, you would use it. You would swallow it. But we say don't swallow it because of muktzah, okay? And then you can use it though tomorrow. So that's not going to be a problem. You're going to understand that muktzah applies to eggs that are laid. I didn't use it yesterday. I could have used it. I could have had it raw, but I didn't use it yesterday. So it doesn't. It, it applies to eggs that are laid. But I'm allowed to use it tomorrow because you know because they're separate to do shows. 
But if you've got your branch of your tree that fell down here, right, and, we, and you're not going to use it on Shabbos, are you going to know that the reason you're not using it is because of the idea of Muktzah? Maybe there's another reason, right? What legitimate purpose can you put, you know, can you put that branch to um, on Shabbat? So when you come to use it on Yantiv, you won't realize that fundamentally the principle of Muktza applies. Let's read that, okay? So in that case, since it was, you could have had it raw, the loka sharilei elulim azamachar, and we're going to say, don't eat it today on Shabbos, eat it tomorrow on Yantiv. Midi yoma debas yoma surah. Then there'll be a very clear message. Why didn't I eat that egg yesterday? Oh yeah, I wasn't allowed to eat it because it was born on yesterday. That'll be what you understand. So just because we're allowing you to do it on the fa- on, on yantiv, not going to lead to you to then assume that there's no problem with the egg and you could eat it even on even when the day it was laid. But but wood that falls from a tree that you had nothing to use it for on Shabbos. So we'll say use the wood tomorrow on Yantiv. You will come and say, oh look, a tree that branched itself down isn't look so they let me use it on Yantiv. So why didn't I use it on Shabbos? The Yominami Sharu, really on its own day, it would be permissible. I didn't use it on Shabbos because you can't, I, what are they going to do with a branch on Shabbos? But maybe they'll say that the fact that you're letting me use it tomorrow proves that it really is not fundamentally a problem of Mukta. That Momushim Shabbos, who do Chazulah was just yesterday, that I couldn't burn it on Shabbat. Alright, so that clear, the basic principle is two Kedushos, no Dobazem Mutarek Bazem, but now we're introducing a new concern. If an egg that was laid, even if halakhically it's two kedushot, like we even call it a three-day yantiv, not three-day yantiv, two days in Shabbos. But even, so even if halakhically it's two kedushot, not necessarily experientially. So if we tell you, don't eat the egg today, eat it tomorrow, you will never think, oh, there's no problem of an egg that was laid because they're letting me eat it. Because you'll say, no, I couldn't have eaten it yesterday. So fundamentally there is a problem and you'll understand why we're letting you do it on yantiv. But if we say the same by the log of wood, go ahead and, and um, use it tomorrow, then you're going to say, look, I, tomorrow today, I, fundamentally a log that falls from a tree or a plant falls from a tree is not a problem. The only reason I didn't use it yesterday was because what was I going to do with it yesterday? And therefore, you will experientially think of this as one Kedushah and infer from the fact that we're letting you use it on Yom that in principle you could use it on Shabbat. And therefore, you're going to come to assume that things that are born, you know, and fall off of trees and whatever are fundamentally not a problem. Yes? Uh, by this... Um Logic, Rabbi Yochanan will probably say that if the branch fell on the tree on a first day Yom Tov, it ought to be able to be burned on the second day Yom Tov. Uh, yeah, if we say say to do so by that, which we do. But yes, okay. So you might as well like this. Amar of Masa. So now we've introduced the idea of two days. No, the bezer muteres bezer or not. We basically ask, and it is muteres bezer. The two to be so. But then the question is, will it sometimes lead to the old slippery slope? And there might be cases where we don't want you to use it yesterday because then you'll make more wrong inferences about the day before. Now, Amar of Masna, said Rav Masna, Asian Chinachim in the Dekel Tanur, while we're talking about <laughs> trees and branches that fall from the tree and the Muksa problem on Yantiv, because it's something new, let's say it was an overhanging of your oven and it fell straight into your oven. So what, what do I do now? Like, do I stick my hand in the oven and take it out? So, in that case, Yanta, what do you do? Marba Lehm Asian Muchanim Mastikan. Just throw an extra wood and make it a robe and make it fatel and go ahead and use it. Okay? So the Gemara says, Saha Now, one minute. It assumes that the idea of throwing an extra wood means that when I stir it, which is something they would normally do, that you're only stirring the kosher wood, not the you know the non muktza wood. The Gemara says not true. You're going to be stirring the non muktza wood, the muktza wood as well. All the wood will be stirred, and you're moving muktza. By the way, 
It's fundamentally not a problem to use Muktzah. The fundamental problem is to, and the Rashbuk comments on this on the Gemara, that the Gemara's problem was only about stirring it, not about it, it being burnt. The fundamental problem is not about is not using Muktzah, it's moving Muktzah. When I was growing up, that we thought Muktzah was the cooties. So if you, if you don't, don't touch a car, it's Muktzah. Right? Not only is it not a problem not to touch a car, in principle you can sit on a car because you're not moving it. You can sit on a rock. Okay? Now, I'm, I'm a little bit moving it. It goes down a little bit. I don't really move it from its place. It's only part of the defense. So, you're basically allowed to use muksa. You just can't move muksa. So, the says, I don't understand. So, <laughs> wonderful. You added more wood. You're still going to stir it. You're still going to move the muksa. So, so the Gemara says like this. Um, no. Even deruba hetera, since now the majority of it is permissible wood, so, uh, you're just, you're just, let's say you're just stirring the majority of the wood and you are not, uh, and you are not stirring the, um, and you are not stirring the actual, the, the muksa wood itself. Which means, basically, we put in a majority and we make it batel. So this is a fascinating idea. Like, we know you can be do bittel by foods. Whoever heard you do bittel by muksa? But again, most muksa is distinct and you know where it is and you can't say bittel. But you throw a lot of logs of wood together, it's not clear which is the log and whatever, and therefore you can apply the principle of bittel. One minute. So the Gemara says, Yaha, kamevatel, isura v'chachila. One minute. That you are, you are willingly creating bittel. We can't do that. I can't just go ahead and take a little chazer, you know, sauce and put it in my soup and say, ah, bittel. You know, you're not allowed to. A bittel is for a post-facto situation. You can't say it with hatchila. The Tanan aim about lechatchila. We have a Mishnah that says you do not, you do not cause bittel of forbidden things at the outset. You only deal with it once it already happened. Someone says no. How do you mean to deal with That's when it's a rabbinic, a biblical problem. Like chazer, meat and milk. Then we don't do bittel from the outset. But if it's only a rabbinic issue, mevatlin, we can actually actively do bittel. Now, this Gemara says it as a big categorical comment. If so, wow, Chazer should be so much easier. You know, we could actively do Bithel on rabbinic problems. So much, of, such a large percentage of Chazer's problems are rabbinic. But basically, there's a lot of evidence in other Gemaras that that's not true. That you cannot, you cannot proactively do Bithel even by Drabanans. And they basically say, this is a weak Drabanan. You know, Muxa is very different than other Drabanans. Um, and therefore, and also as we're going to see in a minute, it's about to be burnt up. It doesn't really have so much status and identity. So there's a whole discussion about this, but don't be misled by the statement. The statement does sound like you can do bittel with hafila, proactive bittel by drabanan, but what it really means is at least by this drabanan you can. It's only a drabanan, at least by this drabanan you can. And that's why you throw an extra word. So the Murray says, Rav Ashi the Amar, Remember, we started the day by Ravashi quoting this whole Mishnah about the pressed figs and telling us that there's a position, I'm sorry, not the pressed figs, um, but, the, the, um, but the issue about the egg, excuse me, remember Ravashi said the egg was the one that was we're dealing with, that's why it's not bottled here, and that's why, why is the suffix about the egg, about Shabbos and Yantiv Asr? Because even though it's rabbinic, it's a Davashesh Lomatilin. So now the Gemara is saying, if that's true, that even rabbinic matters like the egg is a Dovashesh Lomatirim, and we're not even going to rely on Suffet, then why do we rely on the, rely on the Bissel? You're still being the Vatalist, right? If, if the issue here, Arba is because Dovashesh Lomatirim is not Fatel, so that's exactly the story with the wood. How can you tell me what we're doing is Bissel? Didn't we learn that Bissel doesn't work by Dovashesh Lomatirim? So let's take a look. So the Gemara says, How can you explain it? So how does it work? That's when the Isser is still, you know, really around in its own form. 
here the Yisra is in the process of being burnt. So again, <laughs> to, the say, branch, to say, right, to say, Zavachishramatirim doesn't really, you know, doesn't really work. Okay, and therefore, maybe you could say it's a specific aspect about the halacha of Zavachishramatirim, because it's not like use it tomorrow. It's in the middle of being burnt. How can I use it tomorrow? It's being burnt right now. Right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but basically, whether, yeah, you know, we don't, so even though this has a Zavachishramatirim quality, we will still allow, allow Bittl to work, because it is in the process of being burnt. Let's read one more point. Itmer was taught. Let's say you have a two-day yantav in the Chutzlaret. So Rav Amarav says, you know what, let's stop here, because it's already 8.30 and this is already a new topic. Okay. I'm